Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by my friend Nick Costos. You guys can listen or watch him on You Better You Bet almost every single day of the week. Nick is uh, one of my great friends here in the industry, has a lot of thoughts on sports media, NFL officiating, who the GOAT is, fandom, just a nice little free-ranging conversation about uh, the world of football at professional sports and professional sports media. I hope that you guys enjoy the conversation as much as I did. If you want to support this show, you can subscribe to the Patreon. You can get bonus episodes of this show. You can tell a friend about the show, or you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone, welcoming back into the program, my buddy, Nick Costas. You guys are very familiar with him from You Better, You Bet. I've been on that program. Nick has been on this program a couple times. He used to, used to hop on quite a bit during the pandemic because we didn't really have anything better to do and we were just chatting. Actually, we talked some Michael Jordan. That was the first time that you came on was when we were all watching the Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix. Buddy, how you doing, man? How is the NFL season treating you? Ah, uh, doing great. Great to be on with you, man. Yeah, whenever I get like childhood PTSD, whenever anyone mentions Michael Jordan, you know, because he ruined like a month of my childhood, like every single year growing up because he beat the Knicks every single year, which sucked. But yeah, uh, season's been great. Show's good. Coming off uh, not a great week for me in terms of fantasy or betting. Um, punctuated by my Jaguars loss on Monday Night Football, which was no fun. I actually thought like 28-21, like maybe we'll get this home with Jacksonville. Uh, they did not. And suffered some really, really close fantasy losses that have me on the brink of the playoffs in a couple season-long leagues. Um, lose, losing Tank Dell. I feel like I want to start a support group. Oh, also, oh like, my God. If you yeah, lost really Tank Dell, if you yeah, lost really Tank Dell, I know you're down so bad. I, I lost him in a league this last week with staring at that zero in my lineup. I mean, just shoot me. Just, also, just also, shoot also me. like, hey, Texans, like Tank Dell's like 5'8". Can we not use him? He's like, you're like an inline blocker. Like he's Dan. Campbell. That's why Dan Robert Campbell Woods played. exists, man. That's well, why I Robert Woods exists. I'm so, I'm so, so, we can curse on this show, right? I can't curse oh, on my course, show. Course, so fucking tilted want. by that, man. Um, And then, of course, like, yeah, you hold Christian Watson all year and he starts playing well and then the fucking hamstring explodes on Sunday night. And I think we're waiting for it to see how bad that's going to be for Christian Watson. But yeah, that, not 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 great. Not great. It's not what you want. It's it's definitely not what you want. I, I've heard this bandied about, I, and I'm wondering your thoughts on it, that this is one of the most chaotic years in the NFL, both for betting, for fantasy. I mean, I think there definitely is a tendency any given NFL season to think that way because it is such a variance heavy sport. You know, if you think about all the other major leagues, 82 games in the NBA, uh, 82 games in the NHL, 162 in major league baseball, even European soccer leagues, right? A lot. You play every team home and away. There just is more time for variance to level out. Like think about that in the NFL. If every team in the NFL played every other team home and away, we would have way less variance in terms of the outcomes of the standings, right? The bills also, would also the be, players would all be dead, but, but be I dead. understand they'd be point. dead. Right. But I yes, do understand they, the they, point. They would be dead. And I guess, 
I mean, that probably is the answer to why the NFL does feel so insane relative to every other sports league that people watch, which is just that players are at such a higher likelihood of getting injured throughout the course of the season than it, and missing the rest of the season, right? I mean, guys get injured in the NBA stuff all, all the time, but they are way less likely to miss the entire season, right? It, it just is that it is a product. It is a product designed to actually increase variance as much as possible, right? I mean, yeah. the NFL actually likes that. Yeah, and I, I would say this, and, you know, we we did this a lot on the show uh, yesterday on Monday, and my co-host, Ken Barclay, I thought did a great job kind of like illuminating this point. And, he, and he's so right, and, and it's going to sound really obvious, but all of us, like everybody, myself included, like we all fall victim to it. And and I'll just use like Jordan Love as an example. The the NFL season, I I, I get, like I, I, I know, like there are not a lot of games that are played. Like I totally understand that, agree. I have nothing to disagree with, obviously. But the season is still so long and it's still like such a week to week league where, you know, three weeks into the season, everyone, myself included, we're all really excited about Jordan love after the start to the year. Then he goes through that prolonged, like pretty miserable stretch. And it's, well, this, this guy stinks. And like the Packers stink, like season's over. And I've got a lot of bets on green Bay from before the year, like to win the NFC North, you know, Matt LaFleur coach of the year Packers to make the playoffs Packers to finish top two in the division. looks like all these bets are cooked. And now, with the way that they want, that, like the, on this winning streak that they're on right now, um, now all of a sudden, like Jordan loves back to being the answer and the quarterback of the future again. So I, I think it's yeah, like the season is short in terms of games played, but it's also really, really long in the sense that you could you could think one thing one week and two weeks later think something different, and then two weeks later be back to the original conclusion that you were at a month a, a month prior. So yeah, like it's always nuts. But it's also, it's really, really long and you have to be open-minded as the season goes along that things are going to change on a dime. Yeah, Rich Rich Rebar said this to me the other day, which is that uh, the, the discourse around football in sports media, it's got to be the worst of any, of any sport, right? I, I guess I don't know if that is 100% true. It feels that way because honestly, I think the understanding of what wins games of all the major sports leagues is the lowest in the NFL, right? The things that people, both media people and the populace. Yeah, but I like that. I like that though. Like, I that like makes it me too. like it more. Well, cause it's like, I, and, and look like this is, this is going to sound like it's a shot at like, like uh, football outsiders or like deviant, whatever. And, it, and I promise that it's not because I think a lot of the stuff is really good. Like analytics and football, I think are great. You know, we followed each other on Twitter for a long time. Like I think I'm pretty analytically minded in terms of like coaching decisions, you know, when to go for it on fourth downs, like usage of timeouts. I think the stuff is all like, it's all really valuable. I remember, you know, reading um, the first football outsiders, the football prospectus. And I was a big baseball stat guy at the time. I would read Baseball Prospectus and Bill James every year. And after Eli Manning's rookie year in 2004, and I covered the Giants my senior year at Fordham, I went to every game, including a bunch of road games. I'm like an obsessed Giants fan, especially then, not so much now. And I watched every every snap of every game. Um, and I watched Eli be really bad at the start. And by the end of the season, I thought he was really good. Like he stood toe-to-toe with Ben Roethlisberger at Giant Stadium when they were both rookies. The Steelers won the game, but Eli played well. They lost to like the Carson Palmer, Chad Chad Johnson, TJ Huspenzada, Bengals on the road in week 16. But Eli played really well in the game, threw a pick at the end, but he played really well. And then they played Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys in week 17 to close the year. And he led a game-winning drive on the on the, the, in the final game of the season. And like audible to a run to Tiki Barber to win the game. And I was at the game in the press box thinking like, we got our guy. I read the football prospectus and his historical comp is Billy Joe Tolliver. And they're like, yeah, well, Eli's actually, actually sucks. Like, well, okay, great. Like, well, you can look at like the numbers and like try and like crunch the stats, but it doesn't tell you the story of like what you actually watch. And that's where I kind of get like tripped up a little bit with some of the discourse with football now. Like the whole, the MVP debate to me is so tiresome right now where the people that are making the case for Josh Allen to win, like, I, I don't know what people are watching. Like, almost like pull your head out of your ass to a degree. Like, he's great. Like, the conversation is not like, is Josh Allen great or not? He's awesome. Also, like, they lose all the time. Like, you, I'm sorry. Like, at some point, like, wins and losses matter. What happens on the field matters. Like, sorry. Like, it just does. Um, we, you, you don't know, simulate the game and play it on a spreadsheet. Like, the I shit side with me. you. I ultimately, I, I think maybe two or three years ago, I would have said, I, I think there is a case for Josh Allen to win the MVP, assuming 
that the Bills get in. You obviously cannot have a non-playoff team quarterback win MVP, right? That would be that would be absurd. Um, you know what though? I have come all the way around on this, and I I know you just said you hate the MVP conversation, but I've come from laughing at Brock Purdy being an MVP favorite, laughing at him being 10 to one to being like, you know what? If the 49ers are the number one seed in the NFC, Purdy right now, um, so we are recording this Tuesday, December 5th, uh, if you're listening to this later, whatever. Right now, Purdy, EPA per play, I mean, he is a full point, uh, well, decimal point better than every other quarterback in the NFL. He is at 0.36 EPA per play. Dak is 0.26. Tua is 0.2, Josh Allen is 0.22. I mean, and you can say the point guard argument, whatever, which I totally buy. I mean, I think Purdy without Chanan, Purdy without these guys would be a different story. Yeah, but if they're going to wreck everyone, like, it doesn't matter. He's the MVP. He is. Um, I mean, look, look, there. you could certainly make a case for Dak. I, I, I would vote for Dak. I would vote sure. for Dak, but Purdy is going to win if well, this is how they close the season. Okay, so, like, look, like, what, what happens if the Eagles win on Sunday night? Like, the division's over. Like, Eagles win the NFC East. Like, it's done. Dak can't win the division. Are you going to give the MVP to a wild card winner? But I guess, like, with a wild card team. I guess, like, you could, potentially, if the numbers are just, like, through the roof. I don't think Hurts can win. I think it's over for Mahomes. I, I, I almost, like, don't it's feel It's definitely like over for win. Mahomes. Mahomes is not winning. Mahomes year. is, I, I think it's, like, pretty much over for Hurts also. Um, if, I, if the Eagles win out and the 49ers are not the one seed, Hurts can still win because his his raw numbers, Hurts' raw numbers are so... Yeah, they'd gaudy. have to go like 15-2 and two and finish like... And uh, and I'll give like a tip of the cap to Drew Dinsick, the whale capper who came on our show. His, I, I was just thinking of his his sheet is like the best way to analyze this. Yeah, he does a great job. And like and it's like you need him to be Cam Newton, the Cam's MVP year, to finish like two games clear of everybody else to win the MVP when they went 15-1 and one and lost to the Broncos in Super Bowl 50. Um, Like that's that's kind of what you need. Um, And look, like maybe maybe Purdy gets there. You have to be open-minded to it. I um Just like it just... Like the Josh Allen stuff. And I, I love him. Like, he's awesome. Like, he's my fantasy quarterback in a couple of leagues. Like, he's like my favorite player this year. He's great. But you, you, I'm sorry. Like, we just like these conversations are so stupid. Like, at some point, the game is not played on your computer. And I understand I'm like old man yelling at Cloud and I'm not dismissing all of it. I like a lot of it. This is where I think it goes a little too far. I, I, I actually, I actually do not disagree with that. I, I think that. Actually, I had Kevin Cole on the show, like I think six weeks ago or so, and we went through every quarterback and we said, all right, is this a ball-knowing guy or is this the nerd guy, right? So like, I think the ultimate case of this is like Trevor Lawrence is the ultimate uh, I know ball quarterback, right? Where his advanced numbers, they're like, all right, but they're not great. He constantly is making these horrendous decisions in the red zone. Like Trevor Lawrence, when they get to like the 18-yard line, turns into Zach Wilson sometimes like just some of the most baffling decisions you will ever see whereas obviously the ultimate um nerd quarterback would actually be Purdy or formerly Jimmy Garoppolo right these guys who all the ball knowers well actually weirdly the ball knowers kind of like Purdy a little bit but Jimmy G was always the flashpoint for this where the ball knowers the film watchers be like well Jimmy G actually sucks and the stats guys be like you just cannot argue with I mean, he's always top. I think Jimmy was top five in EPA every year he started for the 49ers. Yeah, football's just, it's just like back to the original point. Like, I, I love all, a lot of this stuff. I'm not trying to like, and I really, just to reiterate again, I'm not trying to like say that this stuff is not good or valuable. I think that it is. Just that I think it's it's a really hard to quantify this stuff in this particular game. And I think that like adds to the charm of it, frankly. Um, and MVP is really interesting. I think the discourse is going to get, it's going to get really stupid. Um, I'm hoping it leads to some crazy variants because I've got some Tyree Kill MVP tickets that I actually think are live. Um, but whatever. They oh, they're, 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 they are incredibly live. They are Tyreek, Tyreek for MVP. If, if the, so right now, I mean, the Chiefs losing actually has set up the Dolphins quite nicely. Uh, the Dolphins schedule for the rest of the season, I think it's pretty easy. Yeah. So they go, the Dolphins go home to the Titans, road to the Jets, Blow out win. home Blow to out the win. Cowboys. That's a tough one. They can That's lose a that tough game one. For sure. And then if they lose to the Ravens on the road, the Ravens get the one seed, and it I probably lost. Well, 
And if they Tyre- play the Bills in week 18. So, like, you know, it's gonna it'll be difficult. If Tyreek Hill ends the season breaking the all-time receiving record, and right now he's got 12 touchdowns, if he gets to 18 touchdowns and 2,100 yards – there's a pretty good argument for him being the most valuable. Well, like, oh, now look, like I you think. need things to happen in order for him to win. Like you need the Ravens to like lose. Like you need Lamar to get eliminated. I think Mahomes is already done. You need the Eagles to win on Sunday night to knock Dak out. And I don't think Hertz is going to win. And you need the Niners to trip up and lose like at least one more time. So like there's like, it's not the most likely scenario. I just think that it's a little more likely probably than his number currently indicates about 20. Um, yeah, and I and I think he's a lot more likely to win than Tua. We talked about this on You Better You Bet yes on Monday. Well, this kind of just brings me to a larger point, just about sports media in general. And uh, I mean, I don't know what your sports media consumption diet is like, but over over the years, I I've trended towards a a much lower uh, part of my content diet in general, being coverage of professional sports media. I, I, I actually, um, the number one thing that I consume is podcasts about the NBA. That is my, that is like a huge chunk of my information diet. I find I like to talk about football and maybe it's just because this is what I do for a living. Like I love to talk about football, but a lot of of football discourse to me just tends to, it, I don't, I don't know what it is. It doesn't it doesn't always get there for me. I think football and soccer are to me the it feels like the content around those two sports is the best. I, I don't know what that is, and I wonder if you agree. Yeah, like I, I would say I listen to I don't listen to and consume a ton of sports content. I'd say like it's I our have, jobs. Yeah, like and look, like I, I have like ESPN on my TV throughout the day just for for news and stuff. Um look like I'm I'm a host. Like I'm a professional host and I don't listen to and consume a ton of stuff just because I, I, I want like my opinions to be my opinions and not be like colored right. by, by other stuff. So, you know, I, I like do my own show, so I don't feel the need like, and that's, I'm not being dismissive. There's lots of good stuff out there just that, you know, like, I think that kind of like, why would I listen to this when Like, I'm going to do my own thing. Like I have my own opinions, you know? Um, I would say that when I do listen to sports content, it's basically like exclusively fantasy football related content. Uh, I, and look like it kind of dovetails in with sports betting also and like prop betting, et cetera. I like, I'll give, I'll give you credit, man. I think you do a great job. Your, um, your Monday thread with like all the usage stuff. I read it every week. I've retweeted it a couple times this year. I think it's awesome. Like I, I love that stuff. Like I love it. I pay attention to the NFL 365 days a year. I do dynasty drafts, IDP, IDP dynasty leagues. So like, I'm like, big time like hashtag in the weeds on this stuff and i absolutely love it so that if i'm going to consume sports content it's going to be like really in the weeds fan like i i want to listen I to a show too. Yeah. like i want to listen to a show that's going to talk about why chase brown's going to get used more by the Bengals on monday night or yeah. like which ancillary Chargers receiver outside of Keenan Allen and Quinton Johnson is going to get looks before Josh Palmer comes back? Or, you know, like uh, like uh, Luke Musgraves out for the Packers. Like, do we think Tucker Craft is worth like that? I like, that's what I like when I consume sports content. I 100%, I 100% agree with that. Um, my my favorite stuff is uh, Ben Gretsch's Substack yard, uh, yards, yards Per He does an awesome Twitter. job. I, I love his stuff. I love uh, Jacob Sanderson's stuff. Uh, like those are, and that is super nitty gritty in the weeds. Like this is the long down and distance split between Devin Singletary, Damian Pierce, and Mike Boone. Like that is the stuff. Like I, which, I, that's what I like. Like I yeah, love, that's I want what that. I want. I want that stuff. And I'm probably, I think if you, if you went through like a lot of people that do like what I do, like professional host. How many people like like this the way that, and this is not to be like, I'm special, just like highlighting the difference between, like you asked me a personal question, right? Like, right. I, I don't think a lot of people are kind of like it the way that I do. So I, I'm kind of like unique in that regards amongst like people that do what I do for a living. So I think, I think that's definitely true. And I think that a lot of people who are in, like, like for example, like our stuff on Sports Grid. I of of all the, the the usual rotation of hosts, I'm the one that's definitely the most into fantasy football. But also, a lot of our guys on the network are like really in 
to college basketball. Like they have opinions on Iona's backup point guard or whatever. And I'm like, I, that for me can't get there. Like, don't care. Don't have that in my information. There's only so many hours in the day too. There's only so many hours in the day. Yes, like you correct. love the NBA. Like I love the NBA and I'm like in the weeds. I play season long and fantasy NBA. Uh, I don't play a lot of NBA DFS just because like I bet on games. And like there's, there's definitely not enough hours in the day to try and win on both of those. Um, and look like when you love the NBA and you love the national football league and like I follow soccer, like there's, there's only so much time. Like you just can't do it. And I'm 40. I'm a man. Shout out to Mike Gundy and I'm married. Yeah, no. And like, uh, like my wife is due in May. Shout out to me. Congrats on the sex. Thank you very much. Congrats, just that yeah. you know, there's it's just like there's only God bless. I I can't do the college hoops thing yet. And I'm open about that on the show. Like I'm not doing it because I don't have time. It's disingenuous. And we also handicap hockey on the show every day. And I've really started to like that. Like I'm following hockey every day. I don't do fantasy, but yeah, they look like there's only there's only so much time, man. And you got to devote it to the things you really like. Which is leading me to sort of the this this idea, and I talk about this all the time on on this program. But like, what what people really like is like very niche micro content, or I may and maybe I'm maybe I'm poisoning that from my own view. But the more general the audience media is intended for, kind of the less that I like it. And that's not even just true in sports. That's kind of true in everything. Like really popular broadcast television i just don't i haven't i don't really remember the last really popular and i mean that's just kind of the death of monoculture in general like no one has cable no one is watching you know we're not watching I seinfeld that's because i'm old well well i do kind of think there's like going to be this movement back to cable because streaming is so fucked up and so like you got to have 1900 different subscriptions and Dude, i pay 350 dollars a month for cable and i'm just like why am i doing this and then i just never cancel it and i just still have it i i actually i actually had cable uh when i first moved to so i had cable from 2019 to 2021 and it was really nice like i enjoyed just being i mean this is such a, a bygone thing, but it is really nice to just on like a Thursday afternoon be flipping through channels and like Revenge of the Sith is on TBS. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch the last half of Revenge of the Sith. Like it's a ter- terrible movie, but also kind of good. No, Revenge of the Sith is a good movie. Uh, it, okay, it's it's okay. I mean, it, listen, like it's actually kind of, I, I agree with you that it actually is good. I agree. I will give you that. It's also bad though. It's good and bad, and, and there are some parts sure. that's so bad it's good. I mean, hating Christians, like the scene, like the the scene at what's the the the, the fire planet at the end? Mustafar. Mustafar. I mean, dude, like there, the dialogue between him and you and McGregor is like, I mean, who wrote this? I guess it was George Lucas. Well, George Lucas, and he's not a good. That's not you know, that's not that's not George Lucas. George Lucas. Well, I think the Jedi builder. are evil. It's like okay, yeah. okay, man, great, awesome. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Um, so. Uh, And also this other element of sports media that I found fascinating is the big networks, TV, podcast, whatever, they are clearly asking people who are not that comfortable with sports betting to give sports betting opinions and takes, right? Which I... I don't know how sustainable of a strategy that is. What Something I've liked is what NBC is doing with Sunday Night Football, which is... They have, I mean, we have Matthew Barry on, right? And he is, Matthew Barry's been involved in fantasy forever. I don't think Matthew would say, oh, I'm this giga sharp sports better or whatever, but he's going to give you better sports betting, player prop, whatever, than Terry fucking Bradshaw. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I, I, and I think it should trend that way where the big broadcast, the big networks, I mean, ESPN just launched their own sports book. Like, I, I actually just got, fired my four $50 free bets on ESPN bet this last weekend. And I'm so curious what the integration specifically of ESPN and ESPN bet is going to be because all there's so much money to be made in sports betting. But I find a lot of the mainstream media sports betting coverage to be like super lacking. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's just, it's just a product of, I, I still think, um, and I'm probably like pretty qualified to kind of answer this question. Um, You're like the like, guy to answer this question because you do four hours of fucking betting talk a day. 
Yeah, but like, you know, like I I have like an agent. I've been in this space for so like I I'm like pretty kind of familiar with like what a lot of these networks are kind of like doing and what what their plans are. I'm not trying to insinuate I have all the answers or that I'm some kind of like insider. It's not that, just that, you know, like I'm pretty familiar with a lot of this stuff. Uh, my senses is that probably over the next like year, I would say, I think I'm right about this. I I think that some of the some of the entities I've been trying to kind of like figure it out. Like, like what, what should our plan and strategy be? Um, and I, I think that one year from now and not less than a year, probably like, honestly, like next August, like prior to football season. Um, what I always say is that in the content business, and I think this is something that's like, like pretty like cool for people to understand, right. In the content business, when you do what like Davis and I do, the Super Bowl is from September to February. It's football season. Yeah. Like that's. That's what people care about the most. Um, when you're behind the scenes, when you're an executive, an agent, et cetera, your Super Bowl is from the Monday after the Super Bowl to August. Like it's when everything gets done. That's when business is done. And then everything is geared around football season. So I say that to say my sense is, is that by next August, before next football season starts, I think I don't want to say the landscape's going to be, it may be like different is the wrong word. I think you will see, I think you'll see more stuff and I think it will be pretty well thought out is my guess from a lot of like major network entities. My senses is that a lot of them are on the verge of really like committing in the space. Like an ESPN has to your point. I think that we will see a lot more of this prior to football season next year. I say that with like a pretty good degree of confidence. And I, I mean, that's obviously the, that's obviously the direction it's heading. It's it's honestly, it is just so strange to, to kind of be the age that you and I are where we remember where you could, you just could not talk about sports betting. I mean, these, these broadcasts can used to not even talk about fantasy football, you know, like now we got we got Sean McVay at the press conference saying, "Oh, Kyron Williams is on my fantasy team," and we have Red Zone where Scott Hansen will you know be updating us on Isaiah Likely's fantasy points because he Scott knows that Isaiah Likely was a hot fantasy pickup after Mark Andrews went down. But I mean, you know, I remember the NFL on Fox like the whole like maybe we would get a Frank Caliendo mentioning his fantasy team or something in one of his segments or whatever. But it used to just be these these non-entities even though obviously sports betting and everything still existed right but it it is so strange to be of the age where you really remember no fantasy content no betting content on the big networks at all to espn bet existing matthew berry being on sunday night football uh you know they show the showdown lineup on on nbc right they they're sponsored by DraftKings and they have the showdown stuff like they'll they'll they literally post the lineup for showdown on DraftKings, which is it's nuts that that is the direction that it's yeah. headed. It's it's pretty awesome. Um, and like just like you know my personal anecdote here, and I think I've I maybe I've even told the story on your show. You know, uh, this it's going to sound like I'm taking a shot at Bleacher Report. I'm actually this is I'm a complimenting them in 2013, and I started writing for them. I want to say it's either late 2010 or 2011. Um, it was a great opportunity for me, kind of like help springboard my career candidly. Like, and I mean that sincerely. Um, and my editors at the time were Ian Kenyon, who I think that works for the 33rd team now and Colin McCullough, who's still there at Bleach Report, like great guys, really smart, good dudes. Um, and I remember like talking with them saying, Hey, like I I've been betting on sports since 2004. Like I'd love to do betting content for you guys. And it was kind of like a kicking and screaming thing at that point, which I, I think people will hear that in 2023 and be like, Oh, well they were really stupid. It's like, no, like that's what, how everyone acted at the time. And to their credit, they let me write betting content for them. So like I, I it was, it, you're a hundred percent right. That think about that now for a website like Bleacher Report that's like that pretty that tries to program like culturally right we're trying to be like what's hot right now we want to like pump this stuff out there I think they've done a really good job um it was like hey like I had to convince them to let me do it and to their credit they let me do it um which was awesome and now you like like you're saying like now we have the showdown slate on Sunday Night Football and Matthew Barry's giving out player props and it's really awesome and yeah my sense is that this stuff is I, I don't think it's going anywhere and you know uh I do and it's been like a really cool career thing for me 
uh, not to make it about myself, but I will. Um, so Westwood One is a legacy brand. They carry all the national radio calls of primetime games, island games, and the NFL and playoff games. This year, um, BetMGM sponsors me, and I'm like an ambassador for BetMGM. Uh, I do betting updates on Monday night and Sunday night football on the Westwood One national broadcasts. Something that would have never existed even like three years ago exists now. And it's pretty awesome, man. So yeah, I, it's my sense that this stuff will only will only will only, I don't think it will decrease. I think it will only stay the same or grow. And I think it will grow. Well, it's definitely, it's definitely going to grow. Cause I mean, my, and I wonder, I wonder if this is the same for you, but my like real life friends, like the guys I went to high school with, the guys I went to college with, they love sports betting. They have, they have all the apps. Oh yeah. They know about like, oh, FanDuel has this play listed at minus 110. But bet MGM has it at plus 120. So I'm going to arb trade that, you know, whatever, in a way that they never really cared about DFS, right? About, you know, uh, playing in the Millionaire Maker, whatever. Like they would do it. They all had accounts, but they never were independently, like, you know, being like, oh, I'm, I'm super into this. And I, I well, you can win bets sometimes. You're never going to win the Millionaire Maker. So I think right. that probably factors into it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you if you give a man one 110 to one same game parlay, you have a customer for life. You you hit the the Jamar Chase ladder Bengals team total over uh, you know, Rondell Moore scores a touchdown on the other side and he hits that. Like you you legitimately have a customer for life. That guy, I mean, fuck, I'm literally speaking from personal perspective here cuz I and I think you and I have said this before. I, I definitely do not market myself as, uh, you know, one of these quants who I, I'm taking the sharp side every single time, uh, you know, gold star lock of the weeks or whatever. I just like the bet. It's fun. Um, winning is really nice. But I, I definitely am not, um, you know, I don't have the uh, the unabated odd screen pulled up, line shopping, uh, you know, uh, Jake Browning completion props across the board to to lock in you know whatever some some three percent edge like that it just doesn't that aspect of sports betting it's not really that interesting to me you know it's just and i have i have a job i don't i don't (laughs) i don't need i don't need sports betting income to live which is very nice yeah i i i definitely agree with that part of it for sure and i think i'm very candid about that with the audience like look like my job is to is to host a show and like provide content for westwood one and bet mgm that's what i get paid for if i win money betting on sports which is obviously like who that's bets, the goal. Like, to, like who bets to lose like obviously like you want to win i want to win my fantasy leagues i want to make money um but yeah like that i i i think that kind of candor is is really important and i uh I, I think you're 100% right about that. Um, I will say that I do kind of enjoy and have really grown to enjoy kind of the game within the game with sports betting. And I've said oh, this totally. to people. Yeah, like and I've said this to people. The, um, the game that's played on the field or the court or the pitch or the diamond, whatever, is, is of course is awesome. Like we're all sports fans at heart. I, I'm becoming, and like I actually think it's like probably the same at this point. I love the cat and mouse game that goes on in the betting markets before the games are played also. And when you gain kind of an understanding of that, um, and like we we talk a lot about this on the show, it can really, it's it's like the game is played once before the game starts and then the game is played when the game actually starts. Um, I think it's very, very, very interesting. So look, like I'm with you. I'm, I'm not a quant. I don't get my income from sports betting. I try to win win more than I lose. But uh, I, I do really, really like that. The behind the scenes stuff, like getting in the weeds with betting on sports, like getting the right number at the right entry point, I feel like is really fascinating. Have you read um, either of Ed Miller's sports betting books? Uh, the, the, what's the first one's called the the logic of sports betting. And the next one is called the interception. Uh, no, I read like, like fantasy and like spy novels, but I probably should read these books. I'm well, not, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not poo-pooing any of this stuff. I just haven't read it. Yeah, I mean, they're they actually they are both pretty quick reads. I think they're both under 200 pages. But uh, I just I think anyone who is like pretty involved in sports betting and likes to bet on sports should know how sports betting works. Like how how does uh you know it's like how does uh how does a bill become a law? Like everyone should know the process of how do I get to the line on Sunday morning, right? How does, how does uh, Damian Pierce plus 185 to score an anytime touchdown get to my phone? 
uh, in the morning. Like, I, I think that is, I think, I think it's pretty good for everyone. Also, I mean, that you're talking, you know, talking about the game within a game, like the, the battle to not be limited on wagers. Like that is, I, I, Ed had this line in the book that I thought was, I, I've repeated all the time and everyone should know it, which is uh, don't show up to someone's work and be a dick. Easiest way to get banished from a business is showing up to work and uh, being a dick to someone. So you're, you're shopping through lines on Thursday morning. You see the bet MGM post, like an obviously wrong line. So, uh, great example from last week books put out early lines for Washington, Miami. I don't know what happened, but Sam Howell's passing yards were really low, which is hilarious because I think he ended up throwing for like 160 yards or whatever against Miami. And be a total of 50 big underdog in the game. They're going to be chasing classic. points. Like, yeah. And I think the opening line was something like 240, whatever. And obviously it immediately got bet up. Quickest way to get your account marked for something like that is you, you bet, you know, $75 on the over on this obviously wrong number. Maybe the guy who posted the line at whatever book gets yelled at by his boss. You showed up to his work and you were a dick to him, right? Which is not to say that you should never bet an obviously no, that, wrong I, I disagree with this completely. That guy's an idiot. Sorry. No, no, I'm not saying you're wrong to bet it, but I'm saying if your goal is to have, is to be able to get down whatever you want on these books, quickest way to get your account limited is to be a dick to the trader at whatever book. Uh, yeah, like, listen, there are, this is like a longer conversation. Like there are ways to kind of circumvent everything. Yeah, oh, like, sure. Yeah, just like, sure, like you're right. Also, I have zero sympathy for the guy that's getting yelled at. Like that guy deserves people being a dick to him for, for, for being an idiot at his job. So I'm not, so that is definitely true, right? Like he posted an obviously wrong line, you know, and, and the goal of these traders, well, I mean, you, you, you'll get all kinds of different opinions on this, but in general, the goal of the trader should be to set the most accurate lines and you, you know, you need to open it with a lower limit and, and get the, you know, the amount of information or whatever, uh, Jeffrey Benson has been on this program before and talked about how, and, and obviously, you know, there's a difference between uh, a recreational sports book and a, a market making sports book. And then, you know, what, what Circa does just trying to, to, you know, bet every line at plus 110 and, and lock in that, that profit. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I agree completely. I agree completely with that. Um, I think it's just like, this is a much like longer conversation about, you know, trying to like circumvent a lot of the stuff. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I don't disagree with anything that you said. I, I, I'm sorry that I don't have more to add on that. Just like you're, you're hundred percent right. Okay. I want to talk about NFL officiating. Cause I had this thought for the first time on Sunday night football during that, the catastrophe between the, the really just that entire last drive, last two drives bad. of chiefs Packers. It was really bad. Obviously, you will have the people who were like, oh, you know, the the league always wants to – Mahomes gets every flag, right? Mahomes is always looking to the ref. He's always getting the flag. Then there was, uh, you know, Valdez Scantling getting, um, you know, just just annihilated by that yep. Packers defensive back down the field. And I think that the gut reaction from an NFL fan is we need more oversight. We need more review. We need pass interference to be reviewable. We need – uh, defensive holding to be reviewable. There needs to be an oversight committee. There needs to be a referee, uh, you know, up up top that has uh, access to all the angles or whatever. And my experience from watching European soccer has been that it's worse. More, it's worse. It's way not only not only worse. is it worse, it's way worse, and it creates like really like toxic, unhealthy discourse. Also, the the number one lead off discussion on any on on sky sports on on any soccer it's always going to be about the biggest it's it's called in europe it's called uh var video assistant referee it's a whole system it's got all and they're always shit. wrong which is pretty incredible not always wrong but they're wrong a lot like they will review they're, the play and like they will get it wrong they're wrong enough that it just makes me i mean I think it's a little different with football in the sense that football fans and football games are much longer. Their stoppages are way longer in general, but I mean, it is awful. It is horrible to be watching a game and have a seven minute stop for a review. I mean, it's just like, it's really the worst. And the NFL referees, uh, I mean, you know, every touchdown is reviewed or whatever. 
there, there are complicating factors that you don't have in other sports, which is like uh, what, what defines a catch, you know, whatever stuff like that balls bobbling on the ground, surviving contact. There was that JSN play the other night, uh, the, the Dallas Seahawks game where it was like, called a touchdown on the field probably wasn't a touchdown in the end. I think the referees got it right, but like more review is actually bad is, is the point there. Yeah, I, I agree. But I would say like, you know, do we want to, you know, the thing that precipitated instant replay coming back for people that like don't remember, or maybe like there are younger viewers in 1998, uh, the jets were playing the Seahawks. Vinny Testaverde was the Jets quarterback. This is when they had their year with Parcells, where they went to the AFC title game and lost to the eventual Super Bowl champion Broncos on the road in Denver in the AFC title game. And at the end of the Jets-Seahawks game, Vinny Testaverde like, does like a quarterback sneak. It's ruled a touchdown, and the Jets win the game. And replay shows that he was like well short of the goal line. And people absolutely flipped his shit. And that's when like instant replay came back like the following year. Um, so it's like, okay, like people hate replay. We want less replay. Okay. We can go back to that and like miss really obvious things. Um, I guess as, as time has gone on, just like you watch so many games and you consume so many seasons, like it's, it's always been bad. It's probably always going to be bad. And the tweet that I sent out on Sunday night after the chiefs Packers game was the officiating's terrible. And I'm paraphrasing here. The officiating's terrible. It ruins games. We all hate it. We all want it to get better. Also, like, see you all tomorrow for every play of Jake Browning against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That, like, was okay, a, that ended up being a good game. Like, this is the thing. It's like, look, we can all get really mad at this stuff. But, like, we we all were addicted to the product. We're addicted to it. Like, that's it. Oh, yeah. So, like, it can be. You could get the biggest shit show. And we got it. The biggest shit show imaginable on Sunday Night Football. We are all there to watch every play of the Bengals and Jaguars on Monday Night Football. So it's like, yeah, like we can bitch and moan about it. And yes, like, of course it's bad. It's it's fucking terrible. Of course it is. Also, like, I'm never going to stop watching. So whatever. Like, I got other shit I got to worry about than, than the NFL officiating. So what is your what is your thesis for why football is so popular relative to all the other major American sports. If you if you had to if you had to summarize it in a paragraph, what because I I totally agree with you. Uh, what is this? What is this game we have on Thursday? Like Mitch Trubisky is involved. They're, they're Steelers total, Patriots. I'm gonna watch Steelers. every play of the game. I can't wait. Yeah, like it's, the, the, it's one the, of the worst games. Like literally, like one of the worst games in the last like 30 years before the game is played. Like maybe it'll be good, but it profiles is literally one of the worst football games of the last like 30 years. The, the NBA equivalent of Steelers Patriots would have like 70,000 viewers, you know, on, on league you know, Pistons, Pistons, Wizards. Like no one's watching that. Like Wizards. Uh, I actually bet that game a couple weeks ago. I bet the Wizards. Oh, they beat I mean, okay. Maybe, it was, it was, I guess week. it was yeah. kind of unique and that it was like a true toilet bowl happening in the middle of the season. Um, well, it was but, like, it was, it was like, I'm going to bet that both these teams are terrible. I'll bet, I'll bet the underdog on the money line. Like the Wizards ended up winning the games. Like I actually did bet on that game and like watched some of it. Yeah. But like what I, you know, what is, what's the answer? Like why I, I, my answer has always been fantasy football. Fantasy football is just such a uniquely perfect game in a way that the NFL could have never predicted that that is what I think it is. Um, so I, I, I think, um, I'm of an age where I'll give probably a different answer than some other people would give. Um, First off, like the fantasy football thing's a hundred percent right. I, I've been playing fantasy football literally since the mid nineties. Um, there's a guy named, I believe his name, and I don't know if he, if he's still alive and I don't know how old he, I, I don't, I've never seen him before, but, um, my grandfather had Cliff Charpentier was the guy's name. I think Carpentier, like, like Carpenter, but with an I at the end, maybe with an H in there also. It was like fantasy football digest, 1989, Greg Bell Rams running back, I think was like the number one running back in, in the 88 season was on the cover. And I remember reading it in like literally like 1991, this book. And he went through like every week in his fantasy lineup and he had like Montana and Rice like stacked. And I was like obsessed with it. And I remember like being with my family, like, and like no one gave a shit. And I was the only one that did like made people do a fantasy draft in like 1993 or like 1994. I like remember it has like, I've, I've always loved that. So like, I agree with you on that. Um, You know, I, uh, for me, I think NFL films played a large role in it. Um, growing up, getting caught up in like the pageantry of football, watching, you know, 
uh, I, being a, I have goosebumps thinking about it. Being a kid around Super Bowl time when ESPN would run all like the 30-minute Super Bowl specials, watching all of them. Um, and this has been for me, it's a lifelong love affair with it. I, I, I'm not sure I know what it is. I, I think it's the perfect game. I, I love it more than anything. Like, I guess not anything. Like, I love my wife and, like, my family. Um, outside of all that stuff, I think football is, like, my favorite thing. And it actually always has been since, like, I was, like, six years old. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's, a, it's the best game. It's the most dramatic game. Um, and all the gaming around it with fantasy and betting and DF, it's just, it's just the fucking best, man. I know I didn't give you like a strong answer there. It has always emotionally connected with, with me in a way that the other sports do not. And I love all the other sports, but like the, nothing speaks to me the way that this does. And it always has since I was a little kid. I, I mean, I, I completely agree. Like since I, I, my first memories of watching sports, uh, my, my dad was a Cowboys fan. I, I was a Cowboys fan until I just abandoned them. I, I, they went through like every miserable, like I watched so many bad Cowboys teams and then just watching them continually fail Tony Romo, just like every way that the coaching staff and his team, like it just was miserable. Um, I think the scarcity is a big part of it. You know, the fact that there are only, well, there used to only be 17. Now there are used to only be 16. Now there's 17. I think the scarcity, the scarcity totally helps. Right. I mean, I think like a lot of like baseball, it's just too much, man. It is just, it's just too much of it. And, and you have to have it for that game because it is such a, a sickening variance, heavy game. I will say Rooting for a very good NBA team is like nothing else. So I'm a Thunder fan, always been a Thunder fan since they moved to Oklahoma City. And some of my greatest sports memories ever were that really young Harden, Durant, Westbrook, Ibaka, you know, the the finals run versus the, the, the Heat in 2011, all that stuff. Like rooting for a really good NBA team is kind of special because you, I mean, and this is not a new point, but like you can see their faces, you can hear them talk on the broadcast. Like you, you get a better understanding of, of who the guys are. And they're a part of your life, you know, three or four nights a week too. If you're, if they're really good and you're you know able to watch the local broadcast or whatever, like that, I think is really special. The, the thing is, I mean, the NBA has this problem that the NFL doesn't have, which is that, uh, team doesn't try every single night or every single game. The NFL, I mean, the Steelers and the Patriots are going out there on Thursday night and they're going to try and kill each other. You know, they are, they are, you, Mitch Trubisky, not very good, but he's going to try his best to be good in that game. You know, like there, there's no question on the effort or intensity level. And I think that's huge for the NFL too. Yeah. I mean, like when I was growing up, um, I'm a Knicks fan and obviously like my, they've been bad most of my life, which sucks. When I was a kid though, they were awesome. And they were, so my team hierarchy has always been, Giants have always been my favorite, football's my favorite sport. Uh, the Knicks were always my second favorite team, Yankees third, Rangers fourth. Um, so like, look, like the Yankees have been the team in my life that's had the most success. Um, I would have traded every Yankees World Series and I wouldn't have cared if they never would have won. It could have gone 0-162 for the rest of my life if the Giants would have beaten the Patriots in Super Bowl Forty Two. Like I would trade maybe not every Yankees World Series, but maybe like all of them except for one for a Knicks title. Uh, when the Rangers won in 94, it was really great. Also, I wish the Knicks had won. So yeah, like, and and especially, and I'll speak just as a guy's a New Yorker and I'll speak just because that's where I'm from and I'm the one talking. Um, when the Knicks are good, the city is like alive in a way that it is when like none of the other teams are good. So I'm with you on that. It just sucks that like for most of my life, the team's been an absolute laughingstock and a disaster. And like, we're good now, which is cool. Also, we are not bad enough to make the lottery and we're never good enough right now to win a title. So I guess we'll take it, right? It's better than being terrible every year. You know, that's sort of interesting. The Royals have been so bad for my life. Yeah, but they won. They won. So that, won. and I went to those games. I I, I was in college then. So I was going to those playoff games. I was at every, I went to every Yeah, they series. went to back-to-back -back World Series and won one. Like my, my team hasn't been to an NBA final since 1994, my, my NBA team. It's, it's crazy actually how little goodwill that buys though. Like, so I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I disagree. Many... I disagree big. And look, people can have their own opinions. I disagree so big time with that school of thought. So like, I'm just saying I lived in Kansas City until 2020. 
And I was, I would go to, I don't know, three or four games a year, probably. But I didn't, like, when they were that bad, I just did not care. And I still don't really care. I mean, like, I watch and I follow, like, I, I get the score updates to my phone or whatever. But, like, the Kansas City Royals being the worst team in baseball has, like, very, very little impact on me now. Because they're just, they are abject. They are, they are hopeless. They have no money. They don't want well, to like how, old, how, old, how old are you, though? I'm 31. I'm 31. So okay. they've been horrible for my whole life outside of two seasons. I don't know. Like I personally, and like, you know, I, I think that fandom's really cool. I think it's healthy to like not let yourself get like what the Yankees went 82 and 80 this year. Like I lose I lose zero yeah, seconds. Who cares? Zero yeah, who cares? zero second. Like you know, like I, I like I used to cry after my teams would lose games. Like I literally be like an insane sports fan. Like I now, I don't know. I think you just get older, you get a little perspective. And I'm not criticizing like huge sports fans. Like I think I kind of wish I still had some of that. I don't know though. Like, you know, like, you know, I it, like my wife's healthy and like my mom's doing well. And, like my sister's okay. Like, I don't really give a shit if like the Yankees are like, I want them to be good. Like it's more fun. I don't know. I just like priorities change a little bit, I guess. I don't know. I've kind of like, I don't know. I'm off topic, but yeah. No, 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 that's, that's totally like that. I mean, that's just something that happens as you um, age in general is like, you care more about the important things a little, like your, your prime sports caring years are like ages 15 through 25. That's when it's going to like impact you. Oh, I was way earlier than that. I was earlier than that. I was like at the age of seven, I feel like I was like crying after losses. The, the, the Romo um, field goal drop, uh, against against Seattle that was like that was like the nadir for me I guess I don't even remember how old I was then but that was that was that was one I mean you know I, so I'm a Chiefs fan now which like you know we can get into a big argument about how fake or real that is but I moved That's to Kansas fine. City I moved to Kansas City the year they drafted Mahomes the Cowboys yep. had been I, I was in an abusive one-way relationship with the Cowboys where I would care and they would just pound my face in Every single year, I don't like Jerry Jones. I don't, you know, just the whole thing. You'd probably like him if you were if you were a little older. I think you'd probably if you had if you had lived through. Like I saw so early nineties. Right. Yeah. My my memories of the Cowboys because me failures. me growing up was Dallas like stuffing my favorite team in a locker every year. Correct. Right. So I missed out on all that. I was born. Uh, they they won one Super Bowl when I was three, right? So like, and I got no memories of that. You know, it's not it's not a part of it. Right. I, I watched all of them. It was no fun. Yeah. Uh, wait, I totally forgot where my my. You're talking about the Cowboys and the Chiefs, and you're a Chiefs fan now. So so I am I'm a Chiefs fan now, right? I moved. To, I was at Mahomes' first start. Um, you week know, seventeen I, against Denver. Yes, week seventeen against Denver. I was there. Uh, I I went to the home opener. The next year, like I was in the city when they won the Super Bowl, like it was all, uh, it just was all incredible. It was unreal to be swept up in that. Oh, this is where I was going. So I will say a bad Chiefs loss, like an embarrassing one, it'll, it, it will tilt me for real. I woke up on Monday morning after that loss to the Packers and my wife asked me why I was in such a bad mood. She's like, what, what's your deal? Like, and I'm like, fucking Mahomes couldn't get it done got the ball back with five minutes left against Jordan Love and couldn't get it done like it just it just it really did bum me out see what's really interesting about that and look this is not a criticism of you just like people are different and experiences are different um like you you just want like I, I kind of felt like and I say this to Jets fans friend because like I'm I'm a New Yorker a lot of my friends are Jets fans Mets fans sure. whatever also Yankees and Giants too um when the Giants won, and like the first year I watched sports and I was like obsessed, 1990, my team won the Super Bowl. We beat the Bills, Super Bowl 25. So one of my first sports memories, like hugging my dad, like my godfather, my grandpa, yeah. when, when Scott Norman uh, missed the field goal. I remember like being so sick, I was going to like throw up during that game at like seven years old, um, the uh, the Giants and and the Bills. Um, but then like as, as years went on, right, we never even, I guess we went to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 35, got blown out by the Ravens. But all I wanted was to, I wanted like my own Super Bowl as like an adult, like because I was a kid and I could appreciate it, but I needed another one. Um, and before Super Bowl 42 and then like we won 46 also, we whatever uh, they won Super Bowl 46 also. Um, 
when the Giants won Super Bowl 42 and the way that they did it, it was almost like, I, I don't think I'm ever going to complain about anything that ever happens. And I, I don't want my team to be a laughing stock like they were like with Dave Gettleman and like Judge and Shermer, et cetera. Like, I don't want that. But at the end of the day, like, I, I don't, I don't really know like what they're like for you. Like, I, I get it. Like you like the chiefs, like you, you, you go, like you're there at the end of, you just won the Super Bowl. like this calendar year you won. So, so do you know what it is? Do you know what it really is? This is, this is looping all the way back to where we started with the sports media talk. It's that I cannot live in a world where, well, I can, obviously I can, but I do not want to live in a world where the sports media talk is, oh, Mahomes is a choker. Mahomes who cares? Yeah, who I, cares? I care. And I Why? know I shouldn't. I know Why? I shouldn't, but I hate that. I want, well, ultimately, ult- and you know this. Wow, you want people want, to not be stupid? Wow, like I got bad news for you, buddy. I want, when I'm 50 years old, to be able to say, I rooted for the GOAT. Brady wasn't the GOAT. Mahomes was the GOAT. And every time when he gets the ball back with four minutes left and doesn't score against the Packers, that is another, uh, you know, and obviously the head-to-head Super Bowl loss versus Brady is like, that's going to be the that's gonna Whatever, be the but thing. like, listen, like Brady won three Super Bowls early in his career and then won a decade and a couple Super Bowl losses mixed in there too in between winning another one. So it's like Mahomes got a long career, man. Like maybe he doesn't go down as the goat. And by the way, like it's like the LeBron Jordan thing, where like people get really tilted if you say Jordan's better than LeBron. I think he is. Uh, oh wow! Like it's actually not an insult to say like LeBron's not as good as the greatest player ever. And it wouldn't be an insult to Mahomes to say like, eh, maybe he's like not as good as Brady. Like they're both unbelievable. Uh, that was just my opinion. This is this is what like I think in many ways I have not been poisoned by like hashtag the discourse. But the Mahomes stuff, I have totally been. But like, who by says he's bad though? Like, who like who's saying this? I don't see anyone saying that. Yeah, it's it's totally the internet thing of like of like you can find whatever bad opinion you want Davis, out you, there. You 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 need to log off. I oh nothing has ever been more true than that than that. I need you got to log, log off. off. You got to log yeah. off. And also, I just like I it's, it's very hard to explain. I mean, everyone has this with their favorite team or their favorite player. Like, I just want specific i do want the chiefs to do well but way more specifically i want patrick mahomes to do well in nfl games. great then you then you're probably really happy because he's because he wins every year so you're probably really happy but not against the fucking packers on the road with jordan gives a shit like i I still think they're gonna win i still think that they might they could lose to buffalo this weekend i still think they're gonna win the super bowl so until they lose i see the body dead and cold yeah yeah, I mean that's kind of that's so that is kind of they're the, in the middle of a brutal. They could like they're playing Buffalo. Buffalo's off extra rest. They could lose on Sunday, but like okay, like pick the winner: Chiefs at Ravens in January. I'll I'll, I'll pick Kansas City, and if I lose, I tip the cap. Great. I, I'm never see. I'm them. I'm afraid of the Ravens. I'm afraid. I I because I'm a big Lamar guy, so I'm very I'm very afraid of the Ravens. I think the great. Ravens Who's are, better, Mahomes or Lamar? Mahomes, Mahomes is better, but the Ravens team is way better, especially if they okay. get Mark Andrews back. Yeah, and look, like, sure, like, the Ravens could win, but, like, I would bet on on the Chiefs because they have the best player. That's just my opinion. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I like, logically, I think you're right, but that's that that's that fan thing where you're, like— yeah, you're, you're a fanboy. That's okay. Yeah, I am. With that. And it actually feels very liberating to me because very few things in my life do I allow myself to act that illogically, to be, like, I'm upset— that Mahomes lost this like random road game in, in December, like, you know, whatever, it's fine. It's all going to shake out in the wash, but it, it is one that I it's like, I can't help myself. Like I, but you am, know what, to, to be fair, you know, what will tilt me when it comes time for Eli's hall of fame, if he doesn't get voted and I'm going to be really upset. So like, yeah, I guess I kind of like, I understand. Yes. Yes. Actually, that is a great comparison. We're like, you as a Giants fan are like, you guys are going to fucking disrespect this guy who won two Super Bowls. You guys are going to say Romo, who never won shit, is better than Eli. Like, that is such a fan perspective. And I totally get it. But I like, imagine, but like, it's like, it. it's like, imagine, like, the old, like, okay, like, Ben's better than Eli. Like, Rivers isn't. I don't want to hear anyone. I, and I, Romo definitely isn't. Sorry. But that's but that's the thing is the 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 non fans the spreadsheet people will be like oh Romo was way better than Eli yeah get good you know? good fuck good fuck off <laughs> that, go, it, go go have sex with your spreadsheet leave me alone but I I'm such a spreadsheet guy in general that it does feel it feels liberating for me to have something in my life where I'm completely illogical where I'm just like yeah well, it's great to be illogical by the way to be like oh I'm illogical about Michael Jordan that's what you're illogical about like your guy's gonna win all the time because he's the best. 
Yeah, I, well, I am also. I'm. I, so that's my guy threw example. like fifty picks in a season. So it's so it's so true. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get out of here. Tell the people where to watch and listen to. You better, you bet. Yeah, so you better, you bet. Uh, we're on weekdays three to seven p.m. We're on all the fucking time. So I mean, if you. It won't be hard to find. 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern, Monday to Friday. Sunday is 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. I'm on WFAN. Sunday mornings, 8.30 to 9. Uh, you can find us on, we're live, YouTube, Twitch, simulcast on Stadium now. The show's carried on both Sirius and XM, Sirius 160, XM 205, uh, radio stations nationwide. Um, in podcast form, just search you bet wherever you find your podcasts. You can also find my work on Westwood One's national coverage of the NFL, Sunday and Monday nights. And my social content lives on BetMGM social platforms as well. There you go. All right, everyone, make sure that you are checking out You Better You Bet. Follow Nick on Twitter at DeCostos. DeCostos. I don't know. What's the, what's the correct pronunciation of your last uh, name? Costos was fine. Costos. Also, like, also like I, I candidly think that I'm like, I, I don't think I'm like very good at social media. So if like you want to follow me, great. If not, that's cool too. I still get paid the same amount. There we go. All right, everyone, we're getting out of here. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.